There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high quality meat cooked at home because let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high quality, grass fed and grass finished beef, organic chicken, pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips, for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you think about teachers, what do you picture? What comes in your head? Maybe somebody making a mediocre salary, living paycheck to paycheck, but certainly not living a life of experience and fun and excitement. That's what I picture too, but what if I told you there was a way to make over $100,000 teaching, pay down your debt, which so many of us stay up at night trying to figure out how to achieve this, and travel all at the same time. I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking the true story of how Amanda Swartz made $100,000 teaching overseas. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. This episode of Millennial Money is brought to you by Lincoln. Stay tuned to hear more about the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC. You're not going to want to miss this. Now on to the podcast episode. I was surfing around on the internet as I do often for ideas for podcast episodes. 
And I read this blog post on Making Sense of Sense about how Amanda Schwartz and her husband made over $100,000 in 10 months while traveling to seven countries. And I was like, you know what? That's it. We just have to chat. We have to have her on the podcast. She also was able to pay off debt, which was her pain point. She wanted to get out of the debt. Her and her family really wanted to come to a place where they could have some sort of freedom, where they didn't have this feeling of debt hanging over them. And that's something that I can relate to coming in and out of debt in my lifetime. And it's stressful. And a lot of times it's hard to see your way out of it. And it's hard to think that it's actually going to go away at any point in time. There have been times where I've looked at the numbers and I know all the strategies and I know all the tips and I think, how in the world am I going to get rid of this debt? And I know how it works. Little by little, inch by inch, dollar by dollar, you start chipping away. And before you know it, half of it's paid off and then three quarters and you wake up one day and it's vanished. It, it's like a miracle. <laughs> but you did the hard work. You did the work. And so Amanda made this choice, her and her husband, to travel overseas to start teaching abroad and to be able to bank so much of the cash that they could get rid of this pain point that they had for themselves. She's awesome. She's a career and travel coach. She runs a blog called Every Further Mile where they really focus on helping families learn about and finding great opportunities for work and travel overseas. And her husband and her family, of course, they love to travel. They're avid travelers. They jump at every chance that they get to, to do a new adventure. And I love that. I love that they're embracing that spirit of adventure and experience. And even though they have a family, their, uh, their heart and their mind is for travel. And they're figuring out a way to do this with a family so that it's not holding them back. And I think what really jumped out at me when I read the blog post and hearing Amanda's story is teaching abroad is something I have been really interested in. Maybe not now, I don't know, maybe in a few years, but definitely I think it's something in the future that's worth checking out. It's certainly something Jeff and I have talked about because it gives you the opportunity to travel, to see a new place, and also to make a paycheck, which let's be real, that's, that's why we do anything. Even if we love the work we do, we got to make a paycheck. And there's this whole FIRE movement. I don't know if you've heard about the FIRE movement. Likely you have if you're listening to Money Podcasts. But the, the movement and the trend of retiring early, paying off all your debt and retiring early, which is, is it's great. But my question is, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Vacation time is, it's great. It's wonderful. But let's be real. We can't sit on the beach for whole rest of our life drinking Mai Tais. We can, but we're going to get bored. That I think that's just part of human nature. And so I just started to think that what if you could teach overseas, you could travel if you love to travel, you could live somewhere new, experience a new culture, impact lives in a way that maybe you can't even grasp before you have the experience, all while making some good cash that that might not be that bad of a solution for a lifestyle or even for a particular part of your life if you just wanted to take a little little bit of a TO and go try something new. And I think when I hear Amanda's story, I thought, wow, why didn't I think about this after I'd gone through my divorce? There was a time where I was really trying to figure out who the heck I was and what I wanted to do in the future. And I thought about moving and I thought about lots of different opportunities. I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have met Jeff. But 
I wish I would have known about these opportunities or be able to be connected to somebody to hear about this because it might have been a great time in my life to try something like this and to go out and explore and experience it. And you can still run a side hustle if you or not. You don't have to do that. But if you've got a blog or something else that you love doing online, you could still do that at the same time and bank even more cash. But you would be buying yourself lots of options. And I really can't say it enough. If I learned anything in the years of working with clients in financial planning is that options is the key word when it comes to your financial future. How much you save, how smart you are with your money, with the money decisions you make, it really determines how many options you have. And the options are the name of the game because they're going to allow you to stop working. They're going to allow you to work a little less. They're going to allow you to change your career. They're going to allow you to take risks that you might not be able to take if you don't have as many options. So just a little food for thought, but I'm super inspired by what Amanda has done, and I hope you are as well. So Amanda, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. This is a topic that I am thrilled to be talking about. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I'm extremely excited to be joining you as well. So thank you for having me on your show. So the reason I wanted to talk is you're telling me from an article that I recently read that you can make over $100,000 while traveling and teaching abroad. I have got to know how you do this. Right. Yes. Well, it, uh, it is a bit is a um, effort on both my husband and I's part, but it takes also a bit of a leap of courage, I think, as well. But what we did is we were able to um, go overseas and teach. Um, it wasn't just English either. It was actually just in a classroom. So we taught in a classroom setting, uh, doing all of like, the major subjects within uh, the classroom. I taught grade one, and my husband taught grade five. And we were there um, for the full uh, 10 months, and by the end, had been able to make over $100,000. So it was a time for us that was actually extremely important. We were able to um, get out of some significant debt that we had piled up a little bit, and uh, we were able to take amazing trips and uh, save lots and lots of money as well, all within one year, which is pretty amazing. That is amazing. And that's a lot of money. You know, the teachers in the U.S. make a fraction of that amount of money. And so you were able to do this as a full-time job, live in another country, travel. Was teaching always a goal of yours? Was this something that was a passion or was this something that you discovered and said, you know what, I think this might be a good way for us to make money and have all these experiences? Actually, so the way the story goes really is that we had um, two friends that had moved to Kuwait um, a couple of years prior to this and were um, over those two years trying to convince us a little bit to go. And I got to say, when is a country that you know pretty much nothing about <laughs> and perhaps even have a few worries about, um, it's just not something that you always feel that you have the courage to go and do. Uh, my husband and I are the type of people who are totally ready to jump and do new things. Um, but this was, you know, more than what we even usually had done in the past. So 
we had gotten to a point where we were really stuck. Um, we had to move back into kind of an area that we just, you know, sometimes you feel like if you're back in this area, I feel like I've taken a few steps back in my life that I didn't want to. Sure. So um, that's where we were. My husband's job was temporary and was going to be up in a few months. And my job was kind of temporary part-time. And with children, we just felt like, what do we do? And our friends presented it to us again. Took a little more convincing on my husband's part. We had a few, a number of conversations about it. And finally, we just thought, let's just go through the steps. We'll go through the steps and see if we can get there. So we just started out little steps first. We applied, we started to do interviews, and it was, it actually took six weeks after our interview to hear from them. And we thought perhaps we did not get the position, but then we found out and it was exciting and it was something that made us very nervous and uh, we are super happy that we did it and it was probably one of the best things that we could have done for ourselves and our finances and our family. Yeah. And you talk about being nervous. I mean, I, I can't imagine if I put myself in your shoes going to someplace like the Middle East, I might have some apprehension, certainly not a country that you would normally think of when you think about you know, traveling abroad or even living abroad, especially with kids. What were some of those main anxieties that you had? How did you deal with those, overcome those? Uh-huh. So truthfully, I think our main anxiety were like the two main anxieties for us were one that we knew very little about Kuwait to be honest. I don't <laughs> think I even knew how to spell it when we first were introduced to the idea. So I figured out how to spell it and where it was on the map. And that didn't help me because Kuwait is actually like all of its neighboring countries are Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Iraq. And so we were nervous about everything that's in the media and all the things that uh, they talk about about the Middle East. And I, but thankfully for us, um, what really helped is having friends there who were able to tell us that it, Kuwait is not like that, that Kuwait is actually very safe and that there are lots of what we would call like westernized kind of comforts. Really? Like that. Yes, actually, like Kuwait's a very wealthy country, and so they have like mega, mega malls and beautiful uh, beaches, and they have uh, private beaches and amazing hotels and resorts. They have because they're actually right on the Gulf, right? So they're just right on the water, and they have palm trees, and they got it's actually quite a beautiful <laughs> place. Certainly, lots of desert and sand. We had a few sandstorms while we were there. But they certainly have also done a good job of making it a very, it's a very bustling city. It actually outnumbers like the population of Kuwaitis, I think is 2 million and expats is 4 million. Oh my gosh. For population. Yeah. So the expats pretty much double the population of uh, the Kuwaitis. So, you know, so it's very, it's very expat driven in a lot of ways, right? Like there's lots there for expats. And uh, so... When they were able to kind of tell us some of these things, we knew somebody there when we were going. And so those things really helped us lessen our anxieties. Even still was, it was almost like, uh, 
experience. I remember even when we were leaving, like the day before we were leaving, I was like, are we actually like doing this? Are we (laughs) actually going to Kuwait tomorrow? Okay. (laughs) So, and it just, all the way up to it, just didn't actually feel like it was going to actually happen. And it did. And again, uh, we are extremely thankful in every way possible that we went. So, And did you... Obviously, you knew friends in Kuwait and, and you kind of zeroed in on the Middle East. But did you spend time researching other countries and maybe what you could make if you went to other countries? And then did that confirm your decision to go to that area? Or were you just dead set on we're going, our friends are there, that's the place we're going to go? I think for us, we went there because, like to some degree because our friends could help us like to some degree, get in and settle. However, when we got there, we certainly knew lots of people who had tried teaching other places. I actually have a friend who taught in South Korea. And I do know, just speaking with people who like who taught in South Korea in different areas there. Also, we had met while we were in Kuwait, somebody who had taught in Thailand. And just hearing about the differences is actually quite large. So like it's um, the, the benefits and the the cost, or the like, how much money you make in the Middle East is quite a significant difference from a lot of other places that we've ever heard of. A lot of places in Asia. And why is that? Is there a particular reason that that you get paid more in that area? My guess is that one. I think it's that there's a high demand with perhaps not as many people going. And so they pay more that way. It's also because they are very wealthy countries. And obviously with more wealth, the more that they're able to pay the people to come and work there. Because they're all, they're like a lot of them are oil countries. And although we, we had met people who, because we, we had actually a trip to Jordan when we were there, amazing country. And we met people who had worked in Kuwait as well as in Jordan. And in Jordan, actually, you can make even more money than we did in Kuwait. Wow, that is, it's just, yeah. it feels a bit counterintuitive, but when you explain it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a very, it's, the thing is, like, when we got there, so these were some of the things that we loved about, like, the things that helped us feel comfortable even when we were there is that not only did they have, like, nice malls and different things, but they had, like, the Olive Garden. They had, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, uh, the uh, Cheesecake Factory. Like, just some of the restaurants, even if it's just kind of like, I just need food from, like, that I know, they had it, everything that you would want. And so I find food to be one of those things, right? When you travel, sure. it's amazing to be able to try new foods and all that kind of stuff. And it's an exciting part of it. But sometimes when you're away for a long time, you just really want that whole <laughs> food, right? Like you want the breadsticks and the salad, unlimited salad. <laughs> yes. Um, and even more amazing for us, because we're Canadian, is that they had a Tim Hortons. <laughs> so <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> we a little taste of home with Tim Hortons. So yeah, it was it was great. So Kuwait has a lot of amazing um features like that there. So and did you ever feel unsafe in, in traveling to those areas? You know, all, all we hear are negative things or nothing really from, you know, the Middle East. Did you ever have an experience where you thought, ah, I don't know, maybe should we be here? Should we not be here? 
No, I think the entire time, I guess for me, I'm, I'm kind of like a naturally nervous person. I actually think even though, so I'm also the type of person who I push myself a lot to try to be confident in things. I just try things, even if I'm nervous, I, it's just the way that I am, but I do get nervous a lot. <laughs> so I push myself all the time. Uh, but anyways, so being a naturally nervous person, I wouldn't have walked at night by myself. But I mean, it's just a big city. I'm not, I'm just not comfortable with that. But being out with my family at night, I mean, in Kuwait, everything is at night. There's a huge night city. Like you, um, everybody starts their day, like they're like the night gets busy at four or five and doesn't slow down until after midnight. Wow. Yeah. Like every day of the week. It's just the culture of there. I'm from like a small town where things shut down at like five or six at night. <laughs> it was just the opposite. You know, everything is like gearing up at five or six at night and it goes forever into the night, including all the kids. They bring all the kids out until 11 or 12 at night, which is fun for teachers the next day, but it's just their culture and the way that they do things. So interesting. It, it, it's set up like that because it's so hot. Right. So um, it's so hot during the day that it's actually very difficult to get outside sometimes. So then nighttime when it gets cooler, everybody decides to go out. So that makes sense. And I have so many questions for you. I, I would love to know you talked about this interview that you went through. What was that process like? Like, what are some of the questions they're asking you? How are you, how are they assessing you? How are you assessing them? Right. Yes. So we were um, interviewed by the principal of our school um, and she, it was over Skype. And so she kind of just, we, thankfully, again, we just had, like, we had people who were able to help us a little bit with what to kind of get ready for the interview. And some of the things that they really told us to focus on is knowing certain types of lingo. So we knew that we were going into, this is a British English immersion school, and so we knew that we needed to be kind of up on certain educational lingo. So they would ask us about our background, the things that we had done in the past that would help us, you know, uh, do well as teachers there. Uh, we are not teachers by trade. Like, we don't have education as teachers. We only have bachelor's degrees. And so um, for us going there, it was, you know, we need to really prove that we had something. And we actually, like, pulled out as much as we possibly could from every <laughs> kind of experience we've ever had um, and been able to uh, just to talk about how it is that we were going to be able to do well in that situation. We also talked about our love for travel because they needed to know that when you go, you're ready to be there for the full 10 months. Um, they want to know that you are, I guess, culturally sensitive, right? That you're going to go and that you're going to be okay being in a new culture and um, being able to adapt to some degree for the time that you're there. Interesting. And they definitely want, going back to the lingo, just we had to know about like differentiation within the classroom. We had, you know, key words and terms that we needed to make sure we just knew well and brought back into the conversation as much as we could. So I would say those are the things that they're going to look most for. What experiences do you have and can you come into the classroom and do really well, like just jump in because you kind of just get thrown into it. 
I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so you just show up. I remember like my first day. Oh my gosh. The first day just coming into the classroom. My, I had 26 kids in my room and the rooms were quite tiny and sitting there and looking at them my first day, first time ever teaching and just thinking, <laughs> what do I do with you now? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I figured it out. It was all good. And, uh, and I mean, I, I try to read books before I left, you know, classroom management, trying to figure all that stuff out because, again, I'm not really a teacher. So, but it was great. It was absolutely great. We did have a lot of help from the teachers, you know, in our year and the curriculum was already there. And there was, it was really not that, that difficult to slip into it. But, you know, if you're a teacher, it'd be way easier. But if you're coming not as a teacher, you know, YouTube some things, maybe. <laughs> Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps. But I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. 
Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Nainen, the host of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. What if a vehicle could actually read the road ahead? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKZ with a suite of social tech, including Waze integration so seamless, the map appears right on the screen. You'll get real-time updates to avoid traffic jams, accidents, and hazards directly from your Lincoln's nav screen. Learn more at Lincoln.com slash Wondery. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and app link software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices when driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. registered in the U.S. and other countries. I can totally, totally relate to you. I About seven years ago, I started teaching at a university in Los Angeles, uh, financial literacy courses. And they said, just uh, unlike you, I didn't have a structured syllabus. They're like, just make up whatever you want. And I found myself like I got sick the first day, uh, the first week of classes because I was so nervous. I had spoken in front of groups of like 30,000, 40,000 people, but there was something about being in front of, obviously my students were older than yours, but you're responsible for them and you're responsible for teaching and you're responsible for discipline. And it just takes on this whole other thrust. I don't even know how to describe it, but I'm imagining you could relate. Yes, absolutely. That kind of the burden of responsibility when you're standing in front of people to teach them, it's, it's a whole new thing. And how does it, I know that you and your husband both got jobs, but is that something that happens? Is that common that a husband and wife would apply and be able to get in the same school? Or is that something where you, you were just really lucky to have that happen? Actually, we knew so many couples. It actually happens very, very often. Um, almost all of the couples, because we met a lot of people when we were there, but we met almost like Everybody there, um, with the exception of one couple, basically all worked at the same school. So, and we met people from different schools because there's tons and tons of schools. So we met people from different schools and, um, 
because there are actually like um, so ours was a British school. We knew people that went like were at, were teaching at American schools in Kuwait and all that kind of stuff. So we had um, all kinds of different people, and the couples were always in the same school together. And I think that I don't think it's very hard at all for couples to get a job together in a school. That's really good to know. And you talked about debt, which is certainly a pain point that a lot of us can resonate with, myself included. And obviously, we we know that you earned over $100,000 doing this. But walk me through, I'd love to know a little bit about, you know, you talked about some of the perks, but how were you able to do this and bank away some of that money to get rid of that that debt pain point? I'm I'm a very frugal kind of person, really, overall. And so um, before we went to Kuwait, we, again, we were living on an extremely tight, tight budget. And so when we went, it was um, actually my husband, like my husband, Nathan, had to tell me like over and over again, you know, we actually have more money. <laughs> it's okay. We can spend a little bit sometimes and stuff like that. I need to be reminded to... You know, it's okay. I think for me and what I would want people to really know is that I was so focused on um, paying off our debt that there were many opportunities that I think I, like, and I was very close to passing up some of the opportunities that we had to travel, but um, I think there was other times we probably could have as well, and I didn't. Um just because I was so concerned about it. And I mean, it was great. I mean, it was because I really did want to get that debt paid off and that was fantastic. But I think having the opportunity that we did when we were there too, and as teachers going there and being there for multiple years, the opportunities to travel is just amazing. And so um, I really had to like let myself feel okay about that and know that I had the money. We do have the money and I needed to almost reset my mind, like my mind from being that extremely frugal person to you can enjoy your time here and it's okay. For me, it was almost the opposite, I think, of some people. But uh, I think we always took our money, we put it into, we transferred all of our money into our Canadian accounts. And then uh, from there, we would just take out a certain amount of cash usually is how we paid for everything. And we didn't have a lot of expenses because our apartments were paid for and our bills were paid for. The only thing we had to pay for were groceries, our cell phone, and our inter- internet. And that was it. Wow. So, yeah. And so because of that, like, and I mean, that's very minor in comparison to the amount of money we were making each month. So the amount that we could send back or use for travel was very significant. Um, the nice thing for us too, being Canadian, um, so because I'm, I'm not 100% certain what this would be like for um, for those in the U.S., but we we did all of this tax free. We had no income tax taken off at all. So when you go to so in Kuwait they don't take off income tax from your income. And when we moved back, like when we like when you leave Kuwait and come back. If we file our taxes as if we had emigrated for that year, when we come back, it's not actually taken off. We, they don't actually take income tax from us. Nice. Yes. So we got every single paycheck, income tax-free, um, and they don't really have taxes there at all. So the like your food, your anything that you buy, it's all what you see is what you pay. I like that system. Yeah, it's great. 
<laughs> I really liked it a lot. So, is it yeah. like that from the the people that you know that worked in other that taught in other countries where they have very limited expenses, or does that vary country by country? I'm going to guess it varies country by country. So I know because, I mean, at least with taxes and like especially income tax, it depends on the country itself that you go to. I just know Kuwait was one of them that we didn't have to pay income tax. I think there's actually a fair amount of countries that are like that. Um, You just have to look into it. And um, I think a lot of Middle Eastern countries are similar in that they don't have um, taxes. I don't know about income tax, but for taxes is in like going and purchasing things like sales tax. That makes sense. And so I'm super curious, after the 10 months, where where do you go for there? Like, how far before the 10 months are you figuring out and thinking about what happens next? You mean in, like, with going back to Kuwait? Yes, exactly. So they they usually recruit again um, in, I think it was, was it March? that we were um, being asked to recruit or to sign on for the next year. So they start asking you March or, or yeah, March. And they think, I think they give you about a month or two to kind of make that final decision. So, yeah, so you get to choose, like you get to like kind of figure it out. You have lots of time to do your work, like to be working there and see how you're fitting in and if it's the right fit for you before you sign on again or not. Yeah. So it's like April, May that you need to actually like solidify and say you're, you are staying or you are not. So, and did you? Great. I mean, they're done. We had our, I think our students were all done by the, I guess like the 31st of the 30th of May. And, uh, which is even earlier than what I'm used to here. Um, and so they were done nice and early. You get a couple of weeks just to clean up and get ready. And yeah, it was pretty easy end of the year. So, and did you decide to do this multiple times or where are you in, in the process? Yeah, so we had actually decided to do it a second time. Then I found out I was pregnant. And so, um, <laughs> yes. And so in Kuwait, they don't do um, really maternity leave and stuff like that. And Canada, we have a pretty nice, we have it pretty nice for uh, maternity leave. And so I really wanted to come back here um, just to be able to do, like, like be home with my baby um, for a while. So um, that's why we we had actually signed on and everything to go back and then found out about a month after that, that that wasn't going to happen. But I would recommend it for like most, most people would want to, I would say it's an amazing opportunity and I would have liked to keep going had I not gotten pregnant, but I'm also happy with that. So <laughs> do you think, do you think you'll, you'll, you guys will do more of this maybe when the baby's born and a little older is it something you would, you would like to continue doing? It is something that um, I absolutely would be like that. My husband and I have absolutely talked about considering again, but it's it's also something that there's there's other ways that we also want to travel. We're very curious sort of people, and we try new things all the time. And so um, you know, there's that possibility, but there's also the possibility of just finding new methods of traveling and enjoying it in different ways. So we have lots of things that we are discussing and going over and trying to figure out exactly how we want to move forward that way. But it's absolutely in our future. And tell me a little bit about the blog that you started. When did you start that in in the process? Were you already teaching abroad and and figured, you know, I've got this knowledge base uh, that I need to share with people? 
I did actually start it in Kuwait. I got a little more serious, though, when we got home about uh, putting more things up on our blog and uh, kind of and doing a little bit more. You know, I think a lot of times people start a blog and they don't they don't really know how to take it seriously even, like, or what it means to take it seriously. So um, when we had started it, it was just uh, to put up some of our own adventures and things like that. And then I, you know, started reading more about it and realizing there needs to be, you know, I need to shift a little bit in how I'm actually presenting some of my information and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so we started getting a little more serious about it um, this past year. And now I'm trying to kind of get the word out about it and, feel see how else I can kind of help people travel because I really want to see more families travel for me that's that's a big thing I think traveling is something that's just amazing and how it brings a family together you know I see so often around myself in Canada you know how you know your activities and the and electronics and different things that can really just kind of keep a family uh, from having good quality time and traveling is the opposite. It just gives you this immense bond that is, um, hard to find anywhere else. So it's just, it's just an amazing opportunity. And I really want more families to be able to do that and more families to take that chance, take that leap that, you know, it's not always easy, um, to, to take that step. And I remember it. I remember being extremely scared about taking that step, but knowing that it is, um, a wonderful opportunity to do it and that it's okay to, to want to do that too. So, this has been, I, I have so many more questions for you, but this has been such an amazing conversation. So to wrap things up, you know, of all the things that we've talked about today, what's maybe one thing you want the listeners to remember? I think that I think kind of what I was just saying, I think what I would want listeners to remember is there are amazing opportunities out there to travel and experience the world and you can't be scared to take them. You know, it can be scary. It can be hard to, to think, well, I can't just like up and move my family across the world. I can't do that, but you can, it is something you can do. And it's something that is going to bring you an experience that you just have never had before. And it's going to like, you might think, well, what is it going to do to my family? Well, it's going to do great things for your family because you will never feel so close as you do when you're traveling and you're doing these amazing things together and it's just, you know, take that leap, try something, try being bold and confident and doing something new and exciting because you won't regret it. That's an amazing takeaway. And I know you've put together a great downloadable for the listeners, and I will have a link to that in the show notes, but tell the listeners how they can reach out to you if they want to connect with you. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, uh, we are at everyfurthermile.com, um, and you can uh, reach out there. We have uh, email and contact information on our website, and you can kind of read up a little bit more on some of the adventures that we had while we were, as we've been traveling and doing different things. So again, that's everyfurthermile.com. Big thanks again to Lincoln for sponsoring this episode of Millennial Money Podcast. Want to learn more about the awesome well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC? I bet you do. Head on over to lincoln.com slash Wondery and join us back here next Tuesday for a fresh episode of Millennial Money Podcast. 